<laughs> hey listeners, welcome. Today we're going to be talking about Mia's Dream Come True, and it's a park, so the official name is Mia's Dream Come True, where the heart of the bay comes to play. And on the lines here we have myself, Garcia, Pashoda, and on the other side we have a longtime friend, Daniel Vasquez. Hello. Okay, so for starters, let's talk about a little bit about the motivation of where this idea for the park came from. Sure. Uh... Well, first of all, thank you for having me on. I appreciate the interest in this project. And, and the interest actually came as the park is named after our daughter, uh, Mia Vasquez. And Mia, in short, uh, she wasn't expected to live past about a, a year. And she's her fighting spirit has definitely come through. And she just turned 10 years old this month, uh, along with uh, kind of uh, surpassing her life expectancy. Her kind of self-identity and awareness of who she is and her likes and dislikes has really emerged in the past few years. And one of the things that she greatly enjoys doing is being outdoors, uh, being in a park, and especially socializing with other children. And uh, we started taking her to a lot of parks to socialize and play. But around our neighborhoods here and in a lot of our surrounding cities, a lot of the parks were not really inclusive. And a lot of times Mia would end up on the sidelines, really watching other kids play, unless my wife and I were the ones that kind of carried her and picked her up and moved around. So we decided, you know what, why not, uh, you know, try to fight and advocate for a park for her in, in her community. That's kind of where the uh, kind of inspiration came from. Okay. Uh, and you, you said mentioned that there was other parks nearby. Now, there are some other inclusive parks as well, correct? Correct. There is some. The the truly inclusive, uh, or I like to call them ultra inclusive, uh, and, and the reason I mention that is because there's parks that, in their good faith, are trying to be inclusive, but when we go there, there's components of the uh, park that are not really inclusive. Uh, either there's tan bark, so it makes it extremely difficult to roll with a wheelchair, or different aspects like that. And so really, truly inclusive, There's the closest to us is across the bay, about a 45-minute drive to uh, uh, Palo Alto or Menlo Park. There's some park there. And so with a child that has complex medical needs, uh, a trip like that is is literally a trip to like a whole different uh, state, it feels like. Yeah, I bet that's far. And, and I, I know you mentioned that she, you said she's 10 now? Yes, correct. She just turned 10 this, uh, this month. Great. So I did mention that longtime friend. So I was actually there when she was born. <laughs> So I got to I got to see her when she was at the hospital. Wow, that's so awesome! That was ten years ago now. That's a long time ago. <laughs> well, when I was running around looking disheveled and nervous because I don't know what was happening. You know. Yeah, I remember that time. That's right. In Vaguely, but I did. Yeah, it's been a decade already. Can you believe that? Yeah, long time. Yes. Yes. So one of the reasons why we brought you on today is because uh, as rec therapists, we uh, we generally were always trying to work with different populations. And one of the areas is inclusive recreation therapy. And that's something that Peshoda here uh, is really focused on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's really important to be able to have, like you say, ultra inclusive parks. You know, it's not enough that there's one red swing available. You know what I mean? Like, I think all kids should have access to being able to explore outdoors and explore playgrounds. That's a huge part of growing up. And, you know, it's not fair that some kids may not be able to access it like others. So I think having an ultra-inclusive park, like you said, is just so wonderful. And I've been following some other parks that are kind of, I guess, trying to do the same thing. 
Um, there's one in Huntington Beach that was really interesting. And then I found a water park in Dallas um, that they they made it, it. I don't know. To me, it looks ultra inclusive, but I'm kind of, I don't know everything about <laughs> that. So um, I, don't, I think it's great. I'm so excited for this project. No, so are we. So thank you for the interest. And, yeah. and, and a lot of what you're saying, Pejoto, it does definitely resonate with us. Um, where there is a lot, of park, a lot of parks, as I mentioned, in good faith that are trying to be accessible. But when you really attend with a child or even an adult that has some different type of ability or is on the autism, spe- autism spectrum, you realize that they're not that accessible as right. much as, as they want to be. And, uh, and it's true, there is this, this emerging kind of awareness that we're catching and doing research throughout the nation um, where parks are trying to be very inclusive. And, and I know exactly the park you're talking about, the water park. And it's, it's I believe, if it's the same park we are talking about, I think it's in San Antonio. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's uh, either Morgan's Wonderland or yes. Morgan's Inspiration Island. Yes, that's the one. <laughs> Have you been to it? What I, we actually went to it. And ended up, when we showed up, we were there for actually medical therapies for our daughter. And the park is right across from this amazing therapy center. And it, it was actually closed the time we showed up. <laughs> so, so, exactly. The luck. The, luck. Okay, the luck. But we do have on the agenda that we want to visit, especially the water park. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the little history behind it is that the, the parents are the ones that advocated to make this park. And they've done a lot of research and, and projects, and they've even worked with the university to create uh, the first known pneumatic uh, wheelchairs, mm-hmm. so kids can kids can get in with their wheelchairs into the water. And so we're excited that this is kind of emerging awareness is happening. We're just trying to see how we can connect uh, best practices and mm-hmm. then uh, bring those to to Mia's dream come true. So the time that you were at uh, the water park or visiting the water park was that one of those visits for Teleton? Correct. It was for for Teleton. Thank you for bringing that up because that's another amazing resource that uh we do lean on as a family. Uh and it's amazing center that Teleton is the funding arm out of it and mm-hmm. the actual center is called CRIT. It's a Children's Rehabilitation Institute of Teleton and uh the in short the dad who built Morgan's Wonderland and who built Inspiration Island for his daughter, he is actually the one that donated the land for, for the therapy center. And that's the reason that it ended up being in Texas was because this dad was a huge advocate and proponent for accessibility and therapies. And so when they approached someone who wanted to donate some land, he was like, here's some land, you guys can have it. And so right across the street from the therapy center is this, these two parks that we're talking about. Because a family owned the land. Oh. Yeah, I guess Texas has a lot more free land than we do in California. <laughs> you know? Well, the East Bay, the whole Bay Area. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> it's quite packed. Exactly, I would agree. So going back to, you mentioned about the land, but what did it take to get this part, this park all the way to where it is right now? Has it broke ground? It has not broke ground. We're looking at hopefully the summer, this summer, 2018, breaking ground. The idea is to at least fundraise half of it, which we have, and then start the groundbreaking. And we hope that the groundbreaking to have media outlets, to have to create a lot of awareness in the community to hopefully bring in the other half. Uh, and we're looking at hopefully the projected end date would be maybe spring 2020 or, or sooner. But we're hoping that we do have half of the projected um, kind of a cost 
And with that, we're going to break, break ground this, this summer, hopefully. Wow, that's awesome. Thank you. We're excited. So how, how has it been? How long have you been dreaming of this park and then kind of putting the ball in motion? Sure. So I want to say about 2015, we, mm-hmm. 2000, I would say about 2014, we started noticing Mia really enjoyed being outdoors. Mm-hmm. And about 2015, we decided, my wife decided to uh, approach Make-A-Wish for okay. for a wish, and we initially a, a pl- approach make a wish just with a general kind of we want to wish for our daughter, and we then said as a family and said okay if the, the wish was was going to be granted what do we want to create as a family, and um, we ended up just kind of brainstorming different things and Mia as I mentioned really enjoys being outdoors so we decided let's just wish for a uh, all accessible park, and. Uh, it was uh, such a unique wish that uh, they kind of shot us up directly to the executive director of Make-A-Wish Greater uh, San Francisco Bay Area. And she's the one that approached us and talked to us and about our wish. And and I was really intrigued at the fact that, according to her, we, wanna, we were actually the first family that had ever wished for something like this. And uh, she, we were, I guess, very... Uh, I want to say blessed that as a family, we had a real strong kind of uh, notion of what we wanted in a wish. And that was really easy for then the, the executive director of make a wish to really come on board. Uh, I think since we really believed in the wish and we had a real good kind of structure behind it, as far as the idea, it was easier for her to kind of accept it and, and run with it. And that was kind of the initial, the initial, initial, the granting of the wish. And that's kind of where it started 2015 uh, ballpark. Wow. So how has how has the process been to develop this so far? Sure, it it's we feel very blessed that it has been embraced by the community. That mm-hmm. part's been great, and uh, it has been a lot of legwork to do a lot of research for for funders mm-hmm. and applying for grants and going to do a lot of presentations to different uh, organizations that that have uh, funds or or uh, proposals or money for this. Mm-hmm. So it's been it's been a lot of a lot of legwork. We've also we're trying to really be ultra accessible with this park. So we visited uh, other parks in not just in the state but outside outside of the state. Um, and folks have been really welcoming when we reached out to them and said, "Hey, we want to build something very similar in our neighborhood." And folks have welcomed us. We've we've gone as far as let's say Portland, Oregon. We visited wow. some some parks that they have out there. Uh, San Antonio, unfortunately, was closed when we did attend. <laughs> but uh, but it's been a lot of legwork. But the rally behind the park from the community has been really, really welcoming. So we're thankful for that. That's great, man. That sounds like fun homework visiting parks. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of it. It has been pretty fun, you know, to get there and meet folks that have traveled our journey already, but they they've actually completed parks already. That's been a blessing. Yeah. Have they given you any tips? Oh yes, they've given us. Several tips, um, and one of the biggest things that I, I guess the common thread across the the uh, tips they've given us is uh, to definitely just keep your heart in it, and to everybody's gonna have their 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 kind of uh, two cents, and uh, you're gonna hear those two cents after the fact, mm-hmm. but because when you're asking for their support or research or input before, 
a lot of folks are not going to be as open to do it, but they'll be a lot right. more open to give it a two cents after it's done. So just kind of right. create create a thick skin and just kind of know what your vision is going to be. Sure. Okay. Sounds like you're going to public office. <laughs> that's what it, that's kind of what it, the tips I've been getting. We're kind of just get ready for feedback, but but also keep kind of stay stay on the steady track. Yeah, and I think some of that feedback would be stuff that you could take in and you could incorporate as well. Definitely, so. definitely, yes. So are there any struggles that you have encountered this far? I'd say the the biggest struggle, the two biggest struggles that I've encountered across the board has been, there's a lot of people we've invited to come on a, uh, we've called it a community uh, steering committee. When we want to have uh, not just family members, we want to have uh, people that have different uh, experiences with different uh, abilities like autism, uh, blind people that are that are uh, visually impaired um folks that are in wheelchairs not in wheelchairs just folks that are professionals who work in the disability world um and so we wanted to we we have invited several folks to come on board so when we create this park it truly is the input of the community and that has been a definitely a challenge it has been folks initially are really on gung-ho to come on board to give their feedback and then life happens and for one reason or another, they kind of fall off track. And so that's been the biggest challenge. The second challenge I have discovered is that some folks have been really, some organizations have been really great as far as sharing their knowledge and their best practices and, and their deltas, things that they would change after the fact. A couple of orgs have been really protective as far as what they want to share. Um, and that actually has been surprising, but I can see it from a, I can see it from a business model. Folks have been instead of giving their their feedback and their their experiences, they want to come on board as consultants and, uh, and charge a fee. And uh, I see that from a business perspective, making money after you've learned something. But it's something that it's not our model uh, that we have for me as Dream Come True. It's something that uh, we are very welcoming if anybody wants to come in and pick our brain as far as our journey so far uh, to replicate this. But those are the two barriers that we've seen. Wow, this is it's interesting, you know, and, and, and creating something like this, you start seeing kind of different uh, models for doing things. Somebody's got to be at the helm of it. Exactly. And then and then it becomes a business model. If you pioneered and you found best practices and and vendors and, you know, community champions and why not, you know, have someone pay you to, uh, to share those secrets? You know, I see that even though I don't agree yeah. with it. Yeah. Yeah, everybody has a different approach, I guess, you know. <laughs> but it isn't for me, to, for us, it doesn't fall into the too inclusive role if we're right. being very selective. Yeah. yeah. No, I th I'm really excited about this project. I think it's great. And I, you know, I think it's even better that you guys are so open to sharing. So, you know, other places can be built and other people can enjoy being outside and being in such an inclusive um, environment. I just think that's so admirable. You guys are awesome and excited. Thank you. Thank you. We're excited yeah. too. And, 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 and we just, we're really appreciative and blessed of the, and when I say community, I don't mean just here in the, in the Bay area, just in, mm -hmm. in general, the kind of the recreation, the inclusive community that's really embraced this. Yeah. So what are what are some components of the playground, the park that you guys have envisioned? Sure. So we definitely want to have areas that um, are definitely wheelchair accessible or easy to, to traverse without having too many barriers like 
stairs or, or things that it makes it difficult for everybody to, to kind of enjoy. Um, it'll be a, we also want to incorporate some areas that are kind of quote unquote quiet zones. Mm-hmm. So that children or adults that are on the spectrum uh, kind of have a place where they can kind of go and kind of chill and mellow out if they're getting a little too overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to definitely keep in mind as we're doing the design to make it as open to so- socialization as possible. Uh, to right. not create these barriers where someone's kind of sitting on the sideline and watching someone else have fun. We also mm-hmm. definitely were being very uh, cognitive of creating bathrooms that are, that are going to have changing tables, not just for children, but for adults. Wow. So that way, you know, if, if people need to have their necessities taken care of, that there's a changing table, not just for someone who's a little kid, but also an adult. Because mm-hmm. we do we do envision it where this kind of incorporates not just children, but even adults with disabilities and even aging caregivers. We do want to incorporate those grandma, grandpa that are bringing Mm -hmm. their their grandchild to the park that they're Mm -hmm. also able to get up there and enjoy with their grandchildren. They're also not just sitting on the side on the bench and watching their grandchildren play. Mm -hmm. That's great. Yes. Wow, that's awesome. You've kind of, you guys have thought of everything. (laughs) We're trying to. We're trying to (laughs) definitely make it as inclusive as possible. And we want to create a, a hub of uh, community. So that way, uh, as I mentioned, I can go there with Mia, my, you know, a cousin or a relative can go there with an able-bodied child, yeah. an aging grandparent can go there, a, a blind adult can go there and enjoy themselves. That's kind of the idea behind it. That is great. I don't know if you knew this, but uh, he, one of the, the, the way that the design came out, and I read this on, on one of the articles, is as usual, the design doesn't come in this boardroom where everybody's planning and trying to come up with ideas to something. It came up out of, you want to give us the, the story on this one? Sure, sure. So after the wish was granted, we were litting, literally sitting at a local coffee shop on a Sunday, and we grabbed the napkin that we, that we had access to. We just started designing something on a napkin with uh, just a regular just sketch and... The the idea started coming from incorporating some of Mia's favorite places to do, places and activities to do in Hayward, in our hometown of Hayward, and create those kind of into fun, kind of quirky, accessible areas. Uh, but it happened on a napkin, and we, we um, thank, I took a picture of the napkin, and the napkin's been lost now. No, oh, no. <laughs> but thankfully, I have, a, I have a picture of it, but it just happened in, in a coffee shop. And we, that's what we approached the city of Hayward with, and then they... We had a design team uh, really interested in, in donating pro bono the actual design and taking that sketch and make it into more of a concept that didn't look so so Dr. Seussish. <laughs> All great things happen after a cup of coffee, That's right? right. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> That's awesome. What a cool story. I, I'm just blown away. I think this Thank is you. great. And thanks for being that, Rafael. That, that's true. I, I did a little bit of research prior to our call and making sure there was anything out there I would at least know about it. And that was one of the things that came out. I think that's a great story that comes out of this, that it's something that ended up on a napkin, but it's gotten this far already. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. And it's a blessing. I just can't wait to see it, like, once it's completed. I know you you can't either, but I'm like, <laughs> I can't wait. I think, you know, and parks and being outside have, you know, there's such a rich sensory environment 
for everybody. You know, everybody can benefit from being outdoors and have different experiences at the same place. And just to see everybody, anybody be able to participate in some level at this, at this park is going to be just phenomenal. It's going to be life-changing for so many people, you know? Yes. And, and Peugeot, you, you touch uh, on a very kind of uh, dear, near and dear point to, to my heart also aside from the uh, disability world, it's the mental health kind of aspect yeah. of it. And there's a age old kind of, uh, kind of, uh, I guess, remedy sometimes for mental health is just to get some fresh air, to get some sunshine. And, yes. and the idea too, is to get a lot of uh, parents that might be suffering from mental health, depression, because mm-hmm. um, it's quite common with uh, parents that have uh, disabled children or children with complex medical needs mm-hmm. to be a shut in to not really travel places, to become kind of introverts. Uh, and, and parents like us do suffer from higher rates of uh, depression, of suicides, of substance abuse. And and I hope that in this park uh, that parents can find a place where their children can enjoy themselves and they can get out, get some fresh air, and yeah. uh, socialize with other parents and, and yeah. remove a lot of that taboo of, 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 you know, just being stuck indoors. Exactly. Boom. Like mic drop. <laughs> Is it something that you've been documenting so that other people can also replicate it as you were mentioning it? So we're we're we are keeping a lot of notes, a lot of um, clippings of the news uh, paper articles we're having. Uh, we are documenting the the journey, whether it's for for us. Uh, we're also really or for us or for other for other folks, but we're also really considering creating a foundation uh, to to not to be hired as consultants for other parks, but to provide a kind of a structure and a, a hub where other folks, whether it's in the community or whether it's across the globe, if they want to reach out and say, hey, what was the process? What were the barriers? What were the best practices? And what were the, the in retrospect, things you would change? Have it be a, a, a resource that a website or a foundation they can reach out to and uh, and ask those questions and get some information so they don't have to start from scratch. That's great. Just, you know, having that database is going to be so helpful for so many people who want to bring dreams such as yours to fruition. Have I have I have a question. Have you have you noticed or seen any parks like like the one that you're envisioning outside of the United States? Uh, I've seen s- Somewhat that are some accessibility, not fully. Um, mm-hmm. The the therapy mm-hmm. center, the the Teleton, the Crete that uh, Rafael mentions, they're actually a Mexican model that has they have over twenty centers scattered throughout Mexico, uh-huh. and uh, these are world class centers. And sure. uh, at the centers, they do have accessible playgrounds in the back that uh that uh, children can kind of go and enjoy if they're taking a break from the therapies or taking a break from seeing a doctor and so that's the closest that i've seen outside uh, other than that i really haven't seen any other places physically but we are trying to, to do research also to reach out to folks yeah definitely it'd be interesting to see what people outside of the u.s are doing in mexico i mean you know i just don't i haven't done any research outside so that that's interesting for me so Maybe that's a personal goal. Because <laughs> one thing we have noticed in doing research for equipment is that European companies are more on the forefront than American companies for accessible equipment. 
That's something that's out here. It's really difficult to find something that isn't custom made. And a lot of the equipment we're finding that it's already made, that's it's incorporated in a lot of play, playgrounds already, are in Europe and European companies. So that's really interesting to, to see that a lot of companies that create play equipment already, it's a common theme to include these these uh, other kind of items and accessible uh, play structures already. And in the U.S., it isn't as easily to, to find a lot of these things. Yeah, that is, I, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think like that would be the case, but, <laughs> you know, that's crazy. As, as you're mentioning it, it reminded me of the parks that I did go when I was in Europe. And, you, and although they're not, so they're, they're not trying to promote inclusivity, they are trying to promote uh, the elder population to go out and go to the parks. And that's really what a lot of the parks that they were tailored to, that I could remember. Great. That's right. I, I remember that when you traveled, when Rafael traveled abroad and he was out in Europe, I did specifically had a request from him, like, please keep an eye open. So what do other countries in Europe are doing yeah. for accessibility and for special education? And he did have some, some uh, you know, interesting kind of feedback that it did seem like it was more accessible and a lot more awareness in the countries in Europe, at least the ones he traveled to. Yeah, and one of the things that I noticed out there is that having special needs, they weren't excluding the child from a classroom or, or putting them in a different classroom. They were in the same classroom and they were modifying techniques to provide education. That's right. And that's something that blew me away when you reported that back to us and shared that with me, that it isn't like they're... Here, it seems that they adapt and try to modify the child to kind of fit into something else. Mm-hmm. What Rafael shared with us is that in Europe, it seems that they modify the surrounding areas for the child. It's backwards. Yeah. What does a child need? Not not backwards. How can we, you know, move this child to another classroom that's more accessible? They, they it sound like they bring the classroom and the surrounding accessibilities to the child. It's reverse, which was an eye opener for me. If there are people that want to get involved or to get more information, where can they find that? No, thank you for bringing that up. That yeah. Currently, the next phase we're doing that we're trying to get up before the groundbreaking is we're, we're working on a social media campaign to kind of put a blast of awareness, but also along with that is creating a website that, uh, that folks can go to and see an update of the project, see if they can donate, see what the park's going to be like, uh, contact information if they'd like to reach out. Uh, that's the next thing we're, we're working on to, to create. We created a video not too long ago with, um, it was actually a great, he's a visionary producer that, uh, who's done videos and he knows some folks from Burning Man who, uh, ended up coming on board and he, I say visionary because he just, he got out there and he made this amazing video once, once it, it finished. And we're waiting for the social media campaign to roll out so that we can put the video up. But it's 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 just creating awareness. And we want to create that website that hopefully people can just go to and then start mm-hmm. looking at uh, at ways that they can help, they can donate their time. Uh, we are looking at creating a volunteer kind of a committee yeah. to, to help with the park. And so all that's in the works right now. But we do hope before the groundbreaking happens, we're able to, to have that information up. Definitely. We would love to share that whenever it becomes available and 
I'm sure there's some rec therapy students out there that would love an opportunity for pre-internship oh, yeah. hours. There's a, <laughs> uh, rec, there's a rec therapy program out in East Bay. Yeah. No, thank you. We'll definitely, yeah. definitely share the information with you folks and then pick your yeah. brain as far as checking in with uh, rec therapy students and, and creating something that would entice them to, to want to come volunteer. Is there any uh, tips that you have for anybody that wants to start off pretty much where you were at in, was it 2015? Yes, um, I'd say the, the the biggest tips that I would have up to now would be to definitely have a strong vision in, in what you want to create. I think if you truly have a strong vision and believe in what you're doing, it becomes contagious for, for other folks. Uh, and I'd say once you have a strong vision, definitely do research as far as folks that you think will be champions for your project, um, either local uh, city board members or, uh, you know, directors of different nonprofits. Um, it's quite a, a great thing now that we have like LinkedIn because you're able to pull up uh, who someone is and kind of see their background, see who they are. And then I'd say definitely tug, tug at their, uh, their heartstrings, you know, if they do have some kind of uh, lived-in experience with uh, either a child who has who's had complex medical needs or someone who's disabled, and if you kind of con, con, you know, if you kind of uh, infect them with uh, with your same vision, they become your strongest, strongest uh, champions wherever they go, and they'll talk about your project wherever they go. Uh, so I say definitely create a, a definitely a strong, small but strong foundation of champions, and uh, and keep them in the loop. Keep them in the loop with everything that you're doing, and and they become champions for yourself, for your project. Is that Mia that we hear in the background? This is actually the caregiver. She's okay. uh, she's trying to keep Mia uh, busy. Mia likes a lot of uh, repetitive uh, noises, and so okay. she's she's whistling at her, but she's also making a lot of, like noises to to keep her quiet, so she doesn't she doesn't hear my voice and starts yelling, "Hey, Dad, what are you doing over there? Like, who are you talking to? Who are you talking to?" You know. But yeah, that's what you guys hear in the background. I need those techniques. <laughs> Well, awesome. Thank you so much for all of your information and, you know, spending time with us this evening. And we're so excited for this project. And like I said, we just can't wait to see it grow and become, you know, groundbreaking and then actually opening. And it's so cool. I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah. And I want to, I want to thank you as well for coming on. I know we've been talking about this for months and months, but we finally got it going. Why well, I appreciate you folks. Uh, the time and the interest in this project and, and also, Rafael, I appreciate your persistence, you know, and kind of saying, we got to do this. Let's find a time. Yo, Dan, let's find a time. You know, so I appreciate that because it, it is pretty hectic, as you guys could imagine, or as you guys know, being a parent uh, and then juggling full time and then also doing this project that has its life of yeah. its own also. So I appreciate that. And also, thank you for you guys' time. Thank you so much. All right. Well, that's all we have for today at Rec Play Live. Rec Play Live out.